That L Word Podcast. Do you need the leadership work? Can you even love? A podcast about leadership and everything of people afraid to say out loud. You love yourself. Because if you ain't leading yourself, how can you lead a multi-million dollar corporation? All right, we're back here at another episode of That L Word Podcast. And I just want to say Signal Fire finally has a timer up on the wall. How so you going to what I was about to say? I literally was about to say that. Because I was like, look at it there. And he had the remote in his hand. I'm like, I want one. We're getting like high tech in here. <laughs> I'm like, I literally want one. High tech. Oh, my goodness, man. Uh, keeps us on track. It does. You and I will get going and lose all track of time. Yeah. I like the, I mean, we just, we recorded multiple episodes in one day and, you know, you, especially when you get those episodes where you're like, man, this is, we in the groove. We're in the groove, right? yeah. And, by, and, and, and some of them, they, they start off really good and they get harder to end and then some of them are like start off slow, but then they get like, oh man, okay, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Like, or you just go into it all and, and then you're like, this is a subject that I can talk about for hours and people are just like, no, just keep it short, please. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, what are we talking about today? Well, and it's, you know, I didn't even plan this, but seeing the, the timer on the, the wall now makes me think of a swim timer. Okay. And we were going to talk about leading like a coach. Okay. Yeah, let me see. Leading like a coach. What do you think that? Yeah. So I, I talk about this a lot okay. with first time leaders mm-hmm. and even senior leaders. And I did a little, did a Lincoln post about it as well, I think. Leading like a coach is a huge, it's it's a big step for people in the sense that they're learning to delegate and leading from the sidelines. A lot of people want to stay on the field. They want to still be out there playing and doing, contributing. Leading like a coach means that you're removing yourself from that getting on the sidelines and actually, you know, conducting, Mm -hmm. uh, choreographing. Sometimes I'll say, get off the dance floor and get in the balcony. It's the same concept. Letting somebody else do the work. Well, because if you're, if you're, if you're not leading like a coach, it means you're on the field. And if you're on the field, you don't see the whole field. You only see the individual play or the The moment you're in the The player who's right in front of you. And that's not what you're being paid to do anymore. That's not leading. You're still playing. I had a um, I had a gentleman tell me tell me before uh, I was I was I got promoted and I was out there and I was sweeping mm-hmm. or swabbing the deck however you want to enable term if you were, that means mopping um, and he came out and it was a higher ranking officer and he was like what are you doing I was like uh, I'm helping he said why and when he said it I was like. You arrogant, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah, because you're supposed to, right? You should be helping too. That's what I'm thinking in my head. And he said, "We have people for this." And then again, I'm still like, "What? What are you saying?" He's like, "Your job is no longer to do the work. We know you know how to do it. You have to step back and be able to see what everybody else do and teach them what should be done." Right, and if you're doing the work, you'll never be able to see what work is not being done. And um, then I realized he was really helping. <laughs> right, yeah, but I didn't see it at that. I didn't. I didn't see it, and um, you see it in like very low level because you you get ingrained like as a low level manager, right? And that's why there you know there's steps. Some people are like, oh, I just I, I can be the CEO. You probably couldn't because there's 
there's things you need to go through to get to certain places, right? Uh, just because you put CEO or founder on your name doesn't mean you have the tools to to, to understand what the whole process is like. Mm-hmm. And so when it when it comes down to uh, leading, you know, being a coach, right, and and, and understanding, you is is removing yourself from the situation and being able to see where you can be most valuable. Yeah, and to, to your point in your story, and it's a great story because you can explain. If I were on the speech and debate club, I you know, and they tell me to argue this side, and then the next day tell me to argue the other side, I feel like I could do both because I've always thought you should never ask anyone to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So there is that aspect of it, right? However, when whenever that uh, over overcomes what you're trying to do, and then you're not able to lead the team while they're playing the game. That's when you have to step back, and so it's uh, you, that's it, a hard one, Jody. Well, like, you talk about because I was they say bleed sweat, because it was a bleed sweat and and die with your people, right? And I'm like, oh. but then you want me to go lead? Like you telling me to do? I I'm could like I, I get it now, obviously, but like I, I know there's other people out there that are confused. There should never be a doubt, in my opinion. There should never be a doubt in your team's mind that you're willing to do get to get out there and sweep. If that's what, if that's what the team needs at that moment, if the extra body helping them sweep gets helps, helps move the team forward, your team should never question whether or not you're willing to get out there and do that with them. However, if you sweeping like the, you know, you're the leader leading you told you that's also preventing you from seeing all the other things that are not being done. Then you're taking yourself out of the position you should be in, which is leading. So when do you do it then? Like at some point to do the stuff and to help, I have to be out. I have to be on the field. Well, that's that's the that's the art of leadership, right? Is knowing when you need to be out there to do things like that, and when you, I think predominantly you should be on the sidelines, seeing what's going on and being able to choreograph everything. But there are those clutch moments where you've got to say. Okay, yeah, I need to get out here and I need to I need to help sweep because they need me right now. We're two people down or something like that. I don't know. Like like I hear um from a lot of my athletes that are uh and my athletes and my professional clients that I coach in and I say my athletes because my athletes are professionals in in their own fields. Right. And so they're managers, CEOs, you know, founders and things like that. Um and you hear the stories where I had a, I got a one client uh, right now, and he is executive chef, and he had people leave, right? He's had people uh, not leave in a sense where uh, it was a bad thing, but where there was another, there's other, there's always other opportunities, other places, and so it it happened at a bad time, right, for for the company itself, and so he had to. Go cook on the front line, right? right? Which his job as a special executive chef is to like um, delegate and orchestrate everything that's going on in the kitchen and everything like that. And he had to get down and dirty. He said, "Well, somebody has to do it because the stop the job still needs to get done." And that's a great example because if you know he should be probably creating menus and and Mm. all that kind of stuff, tastings and things like that. Yeah, Yeah. but that's uh, one of those clutch moments where. The food's still got to get out there, and if there's physically nobody there to cook it, then he's going to have to to get out there in that moment and help. But the reality is, he should also be focusing on recruiting 
And he the, is. The, yeah, yeah, to yeah. the other people. So hiring more people and you know getting the right people to um, that 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 are better fit for you know the environment and what he's trying to create. Yeah, which is the next part of leading like a coach, which is identifying the value that each individual team member brings, and then pairing those people with the other people that they would work best with for, you know, projects or, or the forward movement of the team. But that's the, like one of the episodes we talked about, like how you, your thing is creating teams, right? How you're able to see it. Like when you, when you, what are you looking like when, you, when I say like, not what are you looking for, but what are you able to do when you step back and say, okay, I need to create this environment. I need to create this team or this cohort and say, okay, these are the elements that I need. How, are you because especially especially if you have like one of the you're you have a lot of those skills and you're like man it'd just be easier if i do it you know what i mean and that's what people <laughs> struggle with yeah just, like and now i gotta select these people to do the exact same thing for me like i'm not a marketing major but i could run them I, I i believe and i know what i know i could be very good at running a marketing firm right and actually helping people build their brands into the philosophy that i believe in but that ain't my lane. I know that, right? So when do you say, okay, let me go get people to do that for me or with me? One, that's ego jumping in again, right? Is, Damn you, ego. Is thinking, I can do this better or why don't I just do all this myself? But sometimes you can. Because remember, that, 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 the other adjective is like, never, you never, you'll never find somebody that can do it just like you do it. You just got to probably get it, you know, 70 to 60% of what your effort is. That's what you should find. But also the only idea, the ideas that you have in your head are not the only ideas out there. Are you sure about that? <laughs> so if you're the only person, if you're the one who's doing it all the time, you're right. also not inviting creativity that other people bring to the team right. and could potentially make it even better. Or I would I would argue are always going to make it better. The people that get stuck are the ones that just are always doing it themselves or never looking to change things. Mm -hmm. And when you invite other people, even if they're not at the level that you're at for whatever it is that you're trying to do, by inviting other people in to do it, A, you're letting them grow, and B, you're bringing in fresh ideas, which is ultimately going to make you better in the long run. Right. Just like an athlete, you can only play hard for so long before you get, you know, you're just, you know, I mean, look at professional athletes. What is the... I think it's in the 30s or 40s where they kind of naturally phase out. There's only so much you can do before you're, you're I don't want to say not relevant anymore because that's definitely not it. You, you bring other things to it. A lot of professional athletes end up being commentators because they still understand the sport. They know everything, you know, that's going on, but they can't play anymore. Right. Have you ever had – so you, you talk about the, the person that doesn't want to let things down. Like what it, what – what environment do they create? Like I know you say, like you don't let you don't let the people be creative and they give an input, but like, what is the resentment that they create within their teams when they want to take on everything that they can really they should? I mean, they literally hired the people to do the job, but then they're saying, you know, they don't. Most times they don't even say it; they just say, "I'll keep it," and they never give it out. But they treat the the team like, you know, you should be doing more. Lack of trust. Hands down, 100%, every time. Trust I, in self or trust in There's a the lack. People? No, no, it's, it's the team will feel like you don't trust them enough to do it, so why am I even here? I've literally heard those words from so many teams. I've said it. 
Yeah. If you if you're gonna do my job, then you don't need me. Then why am I even here? Yeah. And because I like when people, for me, I like when you say, "Hey, Morgan, here's this." Then you do it, but he said, "Here, I want to look at this. I want to touch this." I was like, "Well, if you're gonna do all that, then you just, why don't you just do it?" Because, like, I don't want to be. I don't want. I don't want to go put. For me, I don't want to go put in a hundred percent and do everything I, I feel that needs to be done. I don't mind, you know, being get the interject of the information or the knowledge. But if you're gonna just take over what you want me to do, then I don't feel like I have a part to play. And if I don't feel like I have a part to play, I don't want to play. And that's why the lead like a coach is a great analogy because if you're going to come out here on the field and dribble the ball around and take take the shots, what am I you even doing? You know what I hate? Them? Oh, and, uh, imagine like, imagine that picture of a player standing there on the field with the, their hands down by their side and their pouty face while the coach I'm dribbles give the ball you around. Picture because I'm probably sure some gamers are here. I hate when I'm playing a game like Ugh, I'm playing something and I'm like I can't beat it and they like here let me show you. No, well, just tell me what I do. No, I gotta show you how to do it. That's a great analogy. I don't know. I want to do it myself. I don't want you just want to take the game so you can play. Mm -hmm. Right? Give me my give my joystick back, damn it. That is a great analogy. And that's <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about. So as a leader, you've got to be able to remove yourself from that and say, how can the team grow? How can the individuals grow? And that's where you as a leader are then developing your skills to identify, because the more you do that the more you're looking at people for what they are mm -hmm. and are able to identify what characteristics they bring that are going to make the team stronger. And then if you've got a project and, you know, using a game as an analogy, if you've got, you're trying to run this play where, you know, a wing runs it down. I'm using soccer because that's the only thing I really know, right? But a wing's <laughs> trying to run it down and then cross the ball. And then this guy, you know, comes in and heads it. You've got to build a team. You've got to be able to look at those players and say, okay, She's got the best dribbling ability and he's got the best cross from the right side of the field. And she is, you know, the best at, at uh, heading the ball into the net. Right. As a coach, you're looking for those traits in the players and then you put them together for that play. It's no different in the corporate world where you're saying, okay, we've got to, I don't know, increase sales or whatever. And she's really awesome at talking to people and he's really awesome with details. And this person's got great ideas and in inventing stuff. You put them together and you sit back and let the magic happen. And back to a former episode, every time you sit down and meet with them, the first question you should be asking is, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. Facts. That, I, think that, I think that's a big portion. And as we talk about like the transitioning piece of it and, and the, the trust part of it. Um, but it, like, don't you think like in a lot of cases, people get stuck, right? Because they've been, they've fought so hard to get to where they are. Uh, we talk about this, you know, the chief season and things like that, or any corporate job where you like you literally had to put in that ground level work to get there, and and now you going from doing everything for you. This is a, a ego and a and a selfish thing at the same time, right? And so you done you're doing everything for you. Like it's all been about it's been about you for 10, 15 years to get to to be the head of this this section or this company or this organization, and then now. Suddenly, you have to develop others because they're afraid of what they're afraid. They're afraid of becoming irrelevant. They're afraid that when they let let it go and let their team start doing it, especially if if the the team is the one getting the recognition, which they should be, that then they're the light is coming off of them and they're not going to progress any further, or they're not going to get the credit they need or or desire. They're afraid of losing that 
the people that want to do it all the time, the people that are not delegating, not trusting their team, are the ones that are afraid to let go. And I mean, I've seen people, especially as I've never seen it in the military as much, but in, in the corporate sector where you see people have these skills and jobs and they don't even want to show other people or teach other people anything because of that. And it, it actually um, it hinders growth. It hinders success uh, because they they have that fear of losing everything. They have that fear of um, like I'm not relevant anymore. And so they keep telling themselves, like, this is what I've done. I, I should be here. This is who I am. I've, I've, I've been around for this long. And they're trying to validate their own existence and not trying to um, grow someone else's you know, career or something like that. Because, and, and, and then you, what doesn't happen is there's no, and this is what I don't like about a lot of corporate jobs, they don't cross train. Right. Because that fear is so deep in people like and the culture is in there. It's like, well, if if he could do it, then they're going to fire me, especially at those yeah. job or those organizations that really have really terrible corporate corporate culture. And they can't keep people in, to, to end with. Like, I, I need to be I need to make sure that they know that I'm the only one that can do this. And if you if you lose me, but like, I'm telling you, even if you feel that way. They can replace you. They may not want to at that time, but just because they're not telling you that they can replace you, don't mean they ain't looking for the replacement. Yeah, single point of failure. Single point of failure is failure every time. And you can't see that unless you're looking for it, and you can't be looking for it if you're on the field. That's right. If you've got, you know, yeah. If there's a single point of failure, every single time that team is going to fail, because at some point or another, that single point is going to be going to be gone and as a coach if you're leading like a coach you're you're looking at the players on the field and you're saying okay Morgan is the best at doing this but I'm also not going to allow you to be the single point of failure you know there should be somebody else who can do what you do maybe not quite as well but they can do it and so if something happens to you and we move that other person in they're going to be allowed to grow and mature. And you should also be mentoring that person. You as the player should be mentoring them. You know, dancers have the understudy, right? You can never have a single point of failure, but the coach is the one who should be able to sit back and say, or the leader is, as we're talking about it, should be able to sit back and say, okay, you know, Morgan's the number one on that, but there should be at least a number two and probably a number three behind you as, as the, how do I, well, so, but before we get deeper into that, like how do if I if if I am that point of if I become that point of failure, sometimes it's self inflicted. Like we were talking about, how do how do I get out of that? Like what do what do I do to like when I realize how do I even realize it? I mean, people are listening now, and they may be the point of failure, and they don't even you don't even realize it because when somebody tells you, like you know, I had a boss like that. He was uh, this was a long time ago. I'm thinking like 2001 to 2003. And um, he was, you know, high ranking. He was a high ranking guy, and he would always complain about what we weren't doing, right? He was always, but he was really high up there. So you couldn't, I mean, he was master guns, E nine, in, 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 in the military sense, but maybe a director level type thing. And he was like, "Well, you're not doing this. You need to do this." And that stuff was affecting our evaluation, right? But if you're saying you're gonna do it. I can't do that part because I'm now I'm in a place where like, um, well, I know we talk about the coach, but how as the person, the, the player on the field or the employee saying, you know, it's now affecting me in a negative way because of your fears and your, your, um, your ego, or your pride, all these things that are going on with you. 
Uh, how do I step up and say, let me eat? <laughs> like, like, give me something uh, because I've seen people like fail because of that. Like, if you take everything from me, of course you, the other person is not needed because you're not allowing them to do their job. So what do I do as the employee? What do, what do I do? Like, do I sit there and take it? No, I mean, I would say no, but it depends on the organization and how much feedback they're allowed to provide. But hold on, but like you said, depends. Like I didn't. That's the word I didn't like. Depends mm -hmm. because is there any is there any situation where I should just sit there and take that? Because that's what depends means to me. No, no, no. There's no situation. But okay, to answer your question directly, that's how organizations lose good talent. That's the retention issue. So do I have to take it? 100% no. How you approach it, there's twofold, right? Good, solid talent is going to do one of two things. They're going to approach you and say, hey, Morgan, as my leader, you're not allowing me to do these things. I need to grow X, Y, Z. Or they're just going to say, oh, I'm going to go take this job over here where I am appreciated, where I am valued. Yeah. So if you don't build that organization where they're allowed to speak up and say to you, Morgan, why are you always doing this? Why are you not allowing us to grow and to bring our creativity and all the things you've hired me to do? Then you're just going to lose that talent. And, 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 you know, and you know, the, you know, the crazy part, the, the, the crazy part is that um, those people or the, the, and I say those people, not not the people in the the, the work section, but those leaders that are not allowing their people, their team to be involved, are also the leaders wondering why their team is going to ask for help to other people outside their office, right? And so you say you the leader, I got I'm the leader, and I got five people that work for me. I'm not allowing them to do anything. They're frustrated. They don't know how to talk to me because I'm not allowing that that type of connectivity to happen within our in, in our in our bubble. And they, then you wonder why every time, you know, like other leaders are telling you about, like, how do you even know that? Like, who told you that? And your people are going somewhere else to be, to get knowledge, to be recognized, to be talked off the ledge almost, you know what I mean? So they don't blow up on you. And you're wondering, like, then you come down on them again. It's like, you don't go above my head or you don't go outside of here. And that's a common problem too. Those are great indicators that you're not leading like a coach. Those are great indicators that your ego and your fear are what's controlling you as a leader and affecting your team. If you're hearing those things or realizing that your people are going to other teams or other leaders to answer questions, or if you see a lot of people leaving your team, you need to sit down and seriously do some self-reflection. Yeah. <laughs> we would have half the military looking at each other because it's, it's, because you just get so stuck. I know I keep bringing this up, but you get, I, I, I keep bringing it up because I was there, right? And, I, and I've seen a lot of people there, especially when you have, um, you know, work working leaders or you know, young supervisors or managers, that grind um, gets ingrained into you. You know, you get used to seeing things a certain way and, and everybody learns at a different pace, obviously. But when you look at that piece, you... You, you usually only think about your own wants and needs, and it may not even be a negative thing. You just don't know how to turn it off. And it's not always, I would say the majority of the time, it's not a negative thing. It's a natural progression 
of somebody, especially first-time leaders, because you were the individual contributor, you were the player on the field, you were the person who was scoring the goals or doing whatever, and then when you get moved to the sidelines, it's so foreign. And there are, to, to some degree, there's a mourning process that has to take place. You have to mourn the fact that you're not on the field anymore. Identity. It is. You have to mourn the fact that I'm not a player anymore. Now I'm the coach. It's like retiring. Yeah. I mean, but but also doing having the self-awareness to say it's not because – well, to some degree, it might be. I'm not good enough anymore. I'm too old to do that. I'm but not physically fit. These are the things. That, that's what I say. You losing something. Like it's that. That's the morning part. It's the loss. But then you have to, you have to realize the positive aspects of what, what it means to then become the leader. Right now, you're being trusted with the with the growth, with the maturation, with the team building, with all the things of an entire group of people which is an even bigger responsibility. And we've talked about this previously. Not everybody wants to do that. Right. And that's fine. That's fine, right? But if you are in that position, I see the biggest, most difficult transition when people move from individual contributor to leader. That's where I see it the most. And realizing that when you start leading teams of teams, being a single team leader is still a form of individual contribution. So then I will see it again at very senior levels when people move into the leadership role of leading multiple teams. That's another step, right? Where you're being further removed from things that are actually happening at the ground level. So what are, what are we talked about like that was, you know, when we have people going outside the office for help, that's a sign. And we said something before that, that was a sign. What are signs that, you suck <laughs> at, at leading your people or being or, or pulling, removing yourself from the field and actually being able to coach. What are, Anytime what are you hear someone say, if you're not going to let me do this, then why am I even here? That's a huge red flag, but you would be amazed Morgan at how many times leaders hear that and come back with their response an ego based response. I'm waiting for this. What is it? Well, I mean, it could be anything, but they're saying things like, well, I'm just going to help you out real quick so we can get through this. Or, well, I just finished, I just, I did this last month, and so let me help you out again. It's it's more, again. Uh, let me help me out. That's what he And said. that's exactly what let they're saying. Let me help me out. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel this way. Uh, oh, my God. It's, oh, that's the huge one, right? Let me help me out. So what do you have to tell yourself as a leader? What do you have to tell yourself to sit back and not get not get out on the field and let the people do what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Those are the things that when I'm coaching clients, I have to help them work through. What do you have to remind yourself? Because the ego and the fear-based stuff or whatever it is, and maybe sometimes it's just straight up passion. Maybe they love doing what the team is doing so much that they just, they miss that. And I had one client at uh, at a you know like a technology gaming company that told me they missed the the coding stuff or whatever you know like the stuff they do to to build the games, and and I asked how would you, what's a way that you can um, work through this and still satiate your needs, right? And what this person came up with was allocating, and this is acceptable, I think, in their field because they're of the creativity and all that stuff, they allocated 20% of their week to still 
work on projects, uh, you know, like to, to contribute what, to the to team. To do what they love. Because right. that was the passion side. That was really what this person missed the most. And that was how they were able to do it. And they weren't getting in anybody else's way. So it's a little bit of a different um, analogy or a different example, I guess, because they weren't getting anybody else's way. This is one of those creative things where everybody throws up their creative ideas and then, you. you know, it goes from there. But I guess it's a great example because if this person's creative idea that they built in that 20% of their time they allocated caught legs and would grow into something, the team would be the one to build it. Not that person. Not that person. But that person took great pride in knowing, oh, that was my idea that's got legs now. And it was an objective thing they could do because they knew how many hours a week they were. So healthily, healthily feed the ego. And not every industry is going to be able to do that, right? Like, But there are times when you can say, okay, I'm so passionate about building games. And I miss that side of it. And it is built in and it's okay in that specific industry to do that. I think that's few and far in between, but what do you have to tell yourself to feel good about being the leader and not contributing, you know, I'm using my air quotes again, not contributing to the team. And it's reminding them and them reminding themselves that my contribution to the team is to the team, not to the play. But it's okay. So that's, we talked about when somebody comes to you and says, you know, what do you need me for? That's one. What's another one? I think another one is when people are always coming to you, when you're the easy button. If you've got when a they team. they don't want to do nothing. Mm. Because they, there's two issues there usually. One is the team just doesn't want to do it, which that's a leadership issue in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But the other is it's a great indicator that when somebody's constantly knocking on your door, and they're just coming in to get an answer, instead of coming in and saying, hey, I've got this issue, I've done research here, here, and here, to let you know they've done everything they can, and now they're coming to you because you you know, are, are the leader, right? But if they're just coming to you for a quick answer, that means usually that they're so used to you coming in over top of them and just jumping in that they don't even, they don't even do go through the thought process anymore. So, because they know I'm, you're going to come in. I've over. totally done that, right? Because mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say that I work with I work with lawyers for years, right? And they're, they're very opinionated. They're lawyers, right? That's the whole point. That, that's, what that's what they, they get paid. They get paid for their opinions. And um, when I was like, man, because what I what I stopped what I what I stopped liking is that everything I did was wrong, right? Because I didn't do it what they what wanted, they? right? And but they wouldn't give me. They were like. This is the one I hated the most is where, and I and I, I do, work, the word hate is very strong for me. When you give me something, I ask you how you want it, and you say, just give me something. I know, working with you, that that means I'm going to type something up, and you're going to redo the whole thing. That pisses me off extremely, <laughs> even to this day. I, like, I'm getting upset right now. Well, I was just going to say, I wish we were on video, because <laughs> if people could see you, you're, like, swelling up. I do not like that. Like, if... That one, you wasted my time. Two, you don't value me, right? And if you're gonna again, that's the, that, that, that what I said earlier. If you're gonna do it, just do it yourself, man. And so I got to the point where I knew that would happen, and I wouldn't even try. That's a great indicator. I wouldn't even try. I just stopped. If you know, if your people are coming to you as the easy button, and they're not trying, you're not leading well, you like know a what coach. What happened? It was the other what we talked about earlier in the podcast, but then it started to negatively affect me. In my career, 
because now, oh, you're not doing this, you're not doing this. And I wanted, and I, and I, and I was at a position where I, you know, if I'd have said something, it'd have been very negative, right? And I was like, well, no, you're not letting me do it, right? You, you think it should be a certain way, um, and we, I, it was very, and you, you, I think I talked to you about him uh, um, a lot because he wanted to do everything. Nobody was ever good enough. Nobody ever moved fast enough, right? Uh, let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. I said, well. You, well Again, what do, what do you need me for? And I, I, I found myself starting to do that. And it literally, and this is for the people that are probably going through this in their in their careers, like it messes your career up. If you don't say something, like you got to triage it. You got to control the bleeding immediately, right? And as soon as you recognize that that's occurring from you, like, yo, because you can't, you can't change that person. You can't change that person. And I realized that it was happening to me and I had to learn a different way to how to work with them, right? I had to. I, oh. I remember the. I remember in my office having some of these conversations. Yes, because I was so. Because even then, it still pisses me off, yeah. right? And I like even with my like my wife is like, here, let me show you, and then you go like she, like she was trying to teach me something. My wife was trying to teach me how like I make a rose. She does baking and stuff, and you make a rose this special tool, and like you know you show me something. But then I don't learn. I you know I have a little bit of dyslexia, so I don't learn with with just letting you do it. Like you telling me doesn't help me. I have to like I need to fail. That's just how I work. I need to fail at it. Get okay, fix this, and then I keep doing it. I have to do the process. And so when you take that process from me, we're not we're not working well together. And I'm like, if you're gonna do it, they're like, why am I here? And it, it became a part where I had to learn that. It was negative effect in my relationship at home, but then it was affecting my career at work. And so you had these people that um, want, and like my wife, I didn't think, she, like she didn't mean, as an example, she didn't mean anything negative by it. She just wanted to help. Other person, I think it was negative, personally. I just do think it was negative. But I had to step back and realize the part I played in that role and ask myself, is it worth my career? And maybe, and so because sometimes you get so, you get so stuck in how, like my deep feeling I have right now, you know, I can say it now, but then I was so angry that I couldn't see a way out, right? And if I can't see a way out, that means I'm going to re recreate that every day in my life and nothing's ever going to change. Where I had to realize it was happening, pull myself back and say, okay, what can I do to change this? And it was, for me, being ahead of him, like, like even further than I was other people, because I'm a proactive dude, right? I like to plan, and, and I move really, really quickly. I don't sit on things. But I had to be further ahead of him, and that means involving the rest of the team, though, because we were always having the issue. So it actually made you a better leader by being led poorly. Yes, I had to get ahead of it. Like, I I, I don't like being in, in the back, and I don't like being treated like I'm not – adequate enough, right? Whatever my own energy, but I think no one should ever feel that way anyway. Undervalued. So undervalued. And and so I had to get around it. And what I learned is one, I, I was I was I was the only one that felt that way when I thought it was just me. My my, my the people that work for me felt that way. Other people that worked at the same level as me, but across, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, felt the same way. And I was able to, once I realized that I was able to hear how they dealt with him. But I was also how they worked around it as well. And we're, this is a great, it's a military example. So you didn't have the option to leave. 
Nope. But if you did, I'd, I'd have bounced. You would have been gone. Because I was thinking, matter of fact, it was so bad, I was going to retire at 20 years. And I ended up doing 24, right? But you know why I took it at 24? And this is this is the grace of the universe, God, whatever you believe in. He got orders somewhere else, mid-tour, that usually you don't get. You know, you don't just leave mm-hmm. at like a uh, year and a half. Not, but he got called to go do something somewhere else. And then it changed, and I was the life came back into me. But everybody doesn't get that option. Well, imagine if, especially you just talked about your, the rest of the team felt that way too. So if you all had had the option, they were leaving. No, everybody would have gone. We, everybody was no, everybody was leaving. The civilians were trying to look for other jobs because, like, when we when we got to the office, it wasn't like we talked about everything that was going on. We talked about like how the what would you call the uh, what they call it um, the tyrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the dictator. <laughs> the dictator that, yeah. was like that, that. That was the conversation everywhere. Like how we hated it. Yeah, water cooler conversation is a great indication. And <laughs> as a leader, you don't hear those things, but as a team member, what's being said around the water cooler? You know, what's being said in the in the in the uh, break spot or whatever, right? And if other people feel the same way, somebody's got to approach the leader. But again, if the environment's not safe, if people don't feel comfortable saying, hey, this, you're not valuing us, it all comes down to how much you trust and value the team members. And this, even if you were to put it on a sports analogy, the, the players that are out on the field are saying, hey, coach, you know, you're telling us to run this play, but it's not working. We're the ones who are getting hit or feeling this or feeling the effects of it. We think we should run this play. You know, that's a good that environment. That takes a lot of courage for the leader. It does. A whole lot because you – I mean, I, I I know I've been in that situation. It's like, dude, this ain't working. And, I'm, you know, you think in your head as a leader, like, you ain't doing it right. <laughs> like, it works. You, and then what you had to step back is – and this is coaching huge, right? Because what, what you think you need to, to have them do may not be what that individual needs, right? And so you have to step back and say – well, what, what way would you do it? Well, and also at least try it. Yeah, and know? realize that as the coach, you see the you do see the whole field. So you see your team versus the other team, but you have to be open to the input of the players who are face to face with the opposing team. They're they've got a different perspective than you do. So being a great leader means you've got the macro perspective, but you take in the micro perspective that your players are facing every play. Yes. <laughs> that, that that's all about personal growth. That's all about like you know again killing your own ego. It's all about like introspection. It's like um, it's like um, how do I say it? Really, really focusing on yourself, like and not in, and 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 being, this in this case being selfish enough to say I need to see what's going on within me, what's creating this environment. But as a leader. As you hear, the moment you realize this could be your world that you're living in, like taking the steps to move towards something healthier. And I I think it's comfort and confidence. Being comfortable in your own skin and being confident that you're you're now the leader, you're now the coach, and that's what you're being paid or asked to do. And not feeling like you've got to be out on the field to make to make a contribution to the team, that your contribution, being confident that your contribution comes from having that macro perspective. I, and I, I know there's a lot of stories there, but I, I mean, that's how we get to the leadership skills that we have, right? As the end result, the reward when you do this, let's talk about that for a minute, right? 
um, the end result, when I started to look at people, and I've had a lot of instances because I am a very strong individual. I have a very strong personality. I have high energy. Um, I want things my way. And in, in certain part of my life, I was even controlling, more controlling, right? But what I learned is it feels good to see them grow. Because like when they grow, we grow. And I started to actually get hungry just to help more people. And I was just going to say, you know, you know your ego is in the right spot, that your self-awareness is in the right spot when your energy tank is filled from the success of your team. It's no longer, in fact, you even, I found myself as I got older and, and moved further up the food chain thinking, I don't want to do that. I'm so, but I was filled with happiness and, and pride when the team was crushing it. And I realized there's no way, even if I jumped back in and did it, I could not do it better than they're doing because they're younger, they're smarter, they've got, you know, um, they've got more creative, creative ideas because they're the ones that are facing the challenge every day. I'm now here to build the environment and provide the resources for them to be awesome. Or being able to recognize how great your team is and like, being excited to put them on something new. That's right. And Being and to see the excitement in their eyes. Yeah, let's get this. And then imagine mm -hmm. that leader who's who's in the bigger meetings and uh the the higher leader, you know, says, Hey, we've got this project. The I'm just thinking of like the joy or the warmth when you're like, my team, my team will take that and we're gonna crush it. And then you know you are doing it right when instead of people fleeing your ship. You've got people that are like, there's no way I want to leave Morgan's team. Or if they do get put on another project, they're trying to figure out how to get back on your team. Another instance is when you are working as a team and it's, it's almost like you fit each other's sentences. Like you you work so well, like the cohesiveness is so amazing that like you say, I know you've had this happen. This is what needs to be done. Nothing is even said. And it's like, poof, it is created. <laughs> One like, of the, that's like, you're like, we badass now. <laughs> this last weekend, I just met up with some buddies from a team that I was in a long time ago. And I was the, the leader of our smaller team within the larger organization. But these were all like my best friends. We'd all kind of grown up together. I just I got a rank higher than than they did a little earlier. So I was I was uh, leading that team. And I just remember, to your point, we had an office space, right, where we'd all come in. And I know we're going to have to wrap it up here in a minute. But I would write on the board something that would need to be done. And I would come back in later, and it would just have one of the guy's names next to it. And they were like, so we were at the level where I wouldn't have to say anything. I would write it on the board, yep. come in, it would say somebody's name. And I wouldn't think twice about it. Because A, I knew it was being done, and B, it was being done better than I could have imagined if I had sat down and say, Morgan, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. I would just put up there. When you ain't got to have meeting after meeting after meeting, and that which means get nothing done about one subject, your team is so ingrained and like trained to work with each other, and, and, and they understand people's strengths and weaknesses and, and able to help each other. Well, because, That's yeah, huge, exactly. Man. They're supporting each other and they're finding a way to yes. They're finding solutions to problems. I think that's the big draw, especially when, you know, as you have, you know, some, some operational um, experience, right? It's uh, 
that's why a lot of people, a lot of coaches are, are working in the operational realm uh, because that, that, that level of, like it's 10 of us or it's five of us, there's three of us, right? And you ain't got to worry about nothing, mm -hmm. right? And so you know, like I have a, you know, a you, I have a friend that's a Navy SEAL, uh, Monty. Like I said, like if I go do something, I, I know who I'm calling. Like it don't have to, but like guess what? I'll go some, do something like, uh, uh, we're going to go to Mexico for something. And, I, and, I, and I'm not really uh, comfortable with going to Mexico just because I know how it is. Um, but if I'm with certain people, I ain't worried because I know when it, when, you know, when you got when you got when you go around and you got your team and you you go into it and you're and the, the negative side is you're like, whoo, I don't know how 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 we gonna we gonna handle this. But if you go in there, it's like send it. Whatever comes our way, I know that they A, B, John, Jack, Jill, they all can handle this themselves. And uh and if they need help, they're gonna say something. Well, and a well oiled team can tackle any obstacle without question. And they, they feel confident, like you're saying, with the person to their left and right, and they're just ready to tackle it. In fact, that, they, yeah. they're not ready to tackle it. They want to tackle it. They want to tackle it. Yeah, I, that, I think that's, that's, that's like great friendships, and it's like a, it's another level of that connectiveness, and, and that's huge when it comes to uh, culture, uh, no matter where it is, and being able to, you know, I always talk, you know, it's, we talk about this and, and end with this. Uh, this. Everything that we talk about always transcends the corporate culture and the environment but like it's like when you've been you're at home and you go upstairs and you're about to tell your kid to do something it's already done that's a team right that's a team right and that's that's the same thing you want to have every area of your life and you are the contributor the number one contributor to that and knowing that where you where you decide to be and how you decide to project that energy uh, will determine the success of the team that's right. Yeah. I, I will just end on saying leading like a coach boils down to build an environment where your team has the resources and the time and the, the everything they need to be awesome. And that you're seeing it from a holistic perspective. Yeah. All right. Well, Hey, uh, as we wrap up here again, please follow us on Instagram at that L word and leave us some stars and some reviews. It helps us out. Yeah, say something to me. Like, say, hey, Morgan and Jody, let's, can we do this? Or would you talk about this? Or ask us some questions. Like, let's, let's, let's get everybody involved as a team, right, and, and utilize your skills and your knowledge as well and help us build a better podcast for you. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks for hanging out, everybody. Deuces.